And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we put... Whistleblower Wednesday to rest, finally. <laughs> Gary, how are you? Good. Welcome to Thursday. I'm telling you, it was uh, what what an, uh, an enjoyable day it was uh, uh, yesterday. Caught part of the hearing uh, live and then uh, went back and, and listened to a lot more uh, of it later on in the, uh, in, in the day. And I'm telling you, Democrats don't know where to go on this. I mean, they don't know where to go. And when they attempt to, to address it, I mean, it, it just was, it came back in their face. There were a couple of things. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the one representative that was talking about the fact that what we need to be talking about is you want to talk about a two-tier a, a justice system? Well, what about white, rich white uh, people that get away with crimes and, you know, minorities do not? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's the point yeah exactly I mean, it's just no self-awareness at all it's like well that's what they're talking about right they're talking about hunter biden is getting and no self-awareness at all none right, right. and then you had uh, uh, we'll play it we'll uh play uh it's uh, it it in its entirety here in a little bit but then representative dan goldman uh <laughs> if if raskin has taken over for adam schiff uh, Goldman is the new Swalwell, and yeah. and he's horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's and and we've criticized him already uh, before how clueless he is. This was absolutely unbelievable. A Democrat, because what he was trying to do is he was trying to say he, he was trying to make the point that nothing leads to crimes by Joe Biden. <laughs> that there is there's no crime you guys haven't proven that joe biden has committed a crime mm-hmm. but what he did in stating it or, or making his case was make it clear that he believes that joe biden knew about his family's business yeah 
which Joe Biden has still denied till today. And it's a Democrat making that point. Let's pl- just play a short clip of it here. Here we go. And you testified that he said to, to that Hunter told his dad, according to Rob Walker, quote, I may be trying to start a company or try to do something with these guys. Now, let me ask you something. That doesn't sound much like Joe Biden was involved in whatever Hunter Biden was doing with the CEFC if Hunter Biden is telling him that he's trying to do business with them, does it? No, but it does show that he said he told his father he was trying to do business. And he was okay. talking well, to that is true. Hunter Biden does try to do business. That's <laughs> oh, well, yeah. OK, yeah. I mean, I, I see your point there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, that's true. And, and yeah. Turley, Tur- Jonathan Turley writes in the New York Post. <laughs> walked right into it. Tur- Jonathan Turley writes in the New York Post. One of the most basic lessons that we teach law students is that you should never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's that's the and, whole thing is that you you don't know this is we have said the democrats really don't know everything that the whistleblowers are going to tell no. even during the questioning they didn't know everything that the whistleblowers know uh, but even in this case just from the information before the whistleblowers testified he was cutting his own throat <laughs> yeah. his own his own argument his right. own th- right. argument before throat he there knew what they were going and, to say and it says uh, most democrats avoided any questions this is turley here uh, on the substance of the allegations, focusing instead on everything from systemic racism to the use of the term two-tiered system of justice, and of course Donald Trump. Representative Dan Goldman often goes where wiser members fear to tread. On this occasion, Goldman may have delivered one of the most damaging moments for the Democrats. In the course of a few minutes, the junior New York congressman seemed to demolish the defense of President Biden. Yeah. In attempting to defend him, he demolished him. And and first, you know, he hit uh, <laughs> first he hit on the WhatsApp message. Uh-huh. And, you know, which says, I'm sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment uh, made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold the grudge that you will regret not following my direction, I'm sitting here waiting for the call from my father. We'll get to the whole audio later on from Goldman, but Goldman says that's the evidence that shows that that uh, Joe wasn't involved at all. <laughs> And Shapley said, well, if you want me to go point by point on it, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. Mm-hmm. I think he realized at that point that it's, I'm sitting here with my father and we would like to not I we would like to understand why the commitment here has not been fulfilled. And and, and uh, as Turley writes here, most Democrats have avoided that message, which is incredibly damaging and seems to contradict the president's long denial of any knowledge or involvement in his son's dealings, Goldman pressed the veteran IRS investigator, Gary Shapley, about his suggestion that Joe Biden discuss the foreign dealing with his son. Shapley eagerly said that he, uh, he would uh, be happy to explain and go point by point on the message. And Goldman cut him off saying he didn't have the time for that. Uh-huh. At this point, most lawyers would have reversed engines out of troubled waters, but Goldman plowed full speed ahead. He said that the references to Joe sitting next to his son 
does not mean that they actually discussed his his business. Well, the whole thing was the fact of we're sitting here and my father, we're going to. It's extremely damning to his father coming from his son. Yeah. Goldman then went even further and raised a lunch where Joe Biden came to say hello at the Four Seasons Hotel to a lunch that he was having with a, uh, a the Chinese energy company executives. He then uh, reads from the record in how Biden associate Rob Walker described the origins of the meeting with the Chinese officials to get his dad to stop by. Hunter, quote, Hunter told his dad that I may be trying to start a company or try to do something with these guys. Goldman then pounced and slyly said, now let me ask you something. That doesn't sound much like Joe Biden was involved in whatever Hunter was doing with CEFC if Hunter Biden is telling him that he's trying to do business with them, does it? Well, that's when Shapley stated the obvious. No, but it does show that he told his father that he was trying to do business and, oh, Goldman finally hears the train whistle and tries to back (laughs) off. Okay, well, uh, that is true that Hunter Biden does try to do business. That is correct. Too late. Goldman was citing the testimony of Walker (laughs) that Joe Biden not only came to the lunch on Hunter's foreign dealings, but did so after being told that Hunter wanted to lie, lay, excuse me, lay the foundation for such a deal. You know, when uh, so I had walked away from the TV, I was still in the room and I was listening, not watching. And it was one of those where I had to run back to the TV. (laughs) Oh, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. I thought to myself. How in the world do you walk yourself into that? Because much of the back and forth from the Democrats uh, on the committee was, yeah, but Donald Trump and Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, and my time is up. And if you were going to take an approach, that has to be your only approach. AOC did it. By the way, they gave her way too much time. I timed it. She went way over her time. And she was doing the whole, but Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. And if we're going to do anything, we should be doing something about Donald Trump. Okay. That's their only game. And then you go back to the actual questioning of the whistleblower. Those are the things that when you break it down, you know, the Democrats have nowhere to go. And why in the world would you walk into something, as as Turley points out, If you don't know the answer to the question, in fact, the whole point is that you do and you're trying to walk the witness, whoever's testifying, into a corner or get them to corroborate something that a point that you're about to make, a fact that you're about to present. That was horrible. Uh, I that part I was watching live. And I'm thinking to myself. Okay, he's going to address this. Where's he going? Mm-hmm. And, you know, where's he going with this? He what because the point he's trying to make is uh because the the uh the, the Democrats are trying to make the, the, the point now, they've they've really thrown Hunter under the bus. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. Hunter is what they're trying to protect is they're trying to put up that firewall to Joe Biden. Yeah. That's what they're trying. That's what they're trying to do. And it really wasn't much of an argument because with the IRS whistleblowers, because they said, no, we were banned. And that's one of the problems. We were banned from looking into Joe Biden. Right. You know, and so it really didn't go anywhere because they were saying, well, you have no evidence of Joe Biden. Well, no, because we weren't allowed to go there. 
And so that argument falls flat. So here comes Goldman. And for some reason, I have no idea because as I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, what way is he going to try to, you know, slime through this? That's what I figured he was going to try to do. And when he hits the WhatsApp message and says the WhatsApp message clearly shows that Joe had nothing to do with his son's business. Like, what are you talking about? Mm. That's one of the most damning pieces of evidence that has come out. Because it was written by Hunter Biden, and it was a threat. That was a threat that came out mm-hmm. to the Chinese energy yeah. company. Right. And, and the threat was, my father and his people will come after you. And Goldman's trying to make the case, well, that this shows that the... I mean, it's almost like saying, and then he took the knife out and stabbed him. And the defense lawyer says, now, I don't see anywhere where there's any relation to a stabbing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was the most bizarre thing. And I'm like, I'm like, this is incredible. And then when he went to Shapley, goes, I'll go point by point on this. I'm like, he's going to kill him. And then mm-hmm. Goldman says, I don't know the time for that. And I went, oh, okay, you got out of it. Then he moved on. And so then when he moves on, he moves on to his... His uh, 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 next point, and I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. The, 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 the dinner thing, this testimony, Hunter is telling him beforehand, I'm going to try to do business with this company. You stop by, and he tries to make the same point that this is more evidence that shows that Biden knew nothing about his son's businesses, and clearly it does the opposite. Yeah. And then even he finally realized, like, oh, and I'm thinking to myself, do they do any preparation? Was there any preparation for this? Or are they just all look saying, we got nothing here, so you guys are all on your own. And if you come up with any ideas, and most Democrats just ignored the substance of it, they won't touch the substance or the allegations. And Goldman decides to, and he absolutely destroys himself. I forget which Democrat it was. Uh, don't know if it was Cory Bush or someone else that brought up the phone call of Trump and Zelensky. <laughs> and I and I thought, why why in the world are you setting yourself up for that? Because you know, as AOC walks through the impeachments and all that other garbage and blah blah blah, and they, they many of them were doing that. Where they were just going off on Trump. You know, we should be talking about Trump. Basically, we shouldn't be here today. And if you want to look at real corruption, look at Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. But they bring up the call with Zelensky. And I thought to myself, you know, if if they were able to give the response, they're not going to give them time to give the response. It probably would have been, well, yeah, that was a legitimate phone call and a legitimate concern issued by then president trump based on things that had gone on which is why we're here today wow i mean the you know the there was there was one moment where they you know the democrats one of the democrats just going down the the line of all the things thrown at trump and they didn't get into even the specifics of the phone call with Zelensky 
and that impeachment. They just said impeach twice. And I thought, that's the only game you could play today if you're a Democrat. You either stay home, you either call in sick, or you just do that. That's your only game. Well, and- Don't try and discount anything from these witnesses because you don't know what they have. Well, I, I it, I've sort of come to the conclusion that, you know, how the media has significantly ignored everything against, you know, against Biden, this entire influence peddling. Mm-hmm. I almost came out after watching it yesterday and said, no Democrats, including Goldman, have paid any attention to this whatsoever. They have no idea. You know how we look at it, mm. you know, whether 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 it's a whether it was Russia collusion, you and I went point by point each and every day on everything. Mm-hmm. And on this, we've gone point by point on everything. I don't think that the Democrats are even paying attention to the I, details. Yeah, yeah no, I think I, I think I they think went that in stands to reason with some of them. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. they come in completely unprepared. So they just start, you know, throwing out. Well, I mean, it's, as Glenn Greenwald wrote here on Twitter at the IRS whistleblower hearing, Representative Chantel Brown complained uh, uh, that the committee is ignoring the real problem. Poor and non-white Americans are treated harshly while rich white people get leniency. <laughs> that's of she's that's, no, demonstrating once again the whole reason they're there. I mean, it just was, it's just mind-boggling. It's like bringing, it just, it's like bringing up, it's even worse, but it, it's, you know, the, the same thing with bringing up the, the phone call with Zelensky and Trump. It's like, yeah. do you, don't even, don't even walk into the arena. Just go off and on Trump for five minutes and 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 try and get past this whole thing. But you know what? It stands to reason that that some of those Democrats haven't been paying attention to the details. Think about AOC. She wasn't around when he was vice president, when Biden was vice president. The ones who were around when he was vice president know these things because the, the story is it's it's. Almost a matter of fact inside the Beltway with older Democrats that have been around for a while. And many of these, a few of these, have not. But the specifics of everything. Yeah, the uh, details. Ma- yeah, the, the specific details, I don't think they know about them. No, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't Is think they, they, re- they, I don't and, think and they I mean, paid attention. But I mean, even even the ones that have been in there for a significant period of time, they're not. nobody's really paying attention to it. No, you're right. If That's, if, that's the opinion I got right, by right. listening. Yeah. Right. Eight six six ninety red eye On a hot summer day, the last thing you want to feel is a blast of warm air when you turn on your air conditioning. A malfunctioning AC system will leave you uncomfortably shifting in your seat, not to mention it can affect the safety and performance of your entire vehicle and your productivity. Keep your AC system running smooth and your deliveries on schedule this summer with the following maintenance tip. Replace your cabin filters at least once a year, as dirty cabin filters are possibly the most common cause of AC system malfunction, or worse, failure. Replace your cabin filters more frequently if you operate in a dirty or humid environment. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We'll have more of the testimony coming up, including Whistleblower X mm. and what Whistleblower X uh, had to say. But really, an incredible day. And my thing was, I you know wanted to see if there was anything new. You know, really came out. What what you got from it? Because you you really didn't get. Well, you did get some things out of it where they talked specifically about you know how money was transferred, and that yeah, was pretty right. interesting. So we'll. Uh, we'll we'll get to uh, uh, that, but what you got was everything was under oath officially. Yeah, right. Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Well, when uh, I woke up this morning, the first thing that I uh, saw, and it was plastered all over the place, that uh, Whistleblower X is a gay Democrat. And when I saw that, I went, okay, that was done. So attacks, you know, personal attacks and that's one thing i really didn't see they really weren't able to label either of these whistleblowers as they were attempting to do at the fbi whistleblowers for the weaponization of government last time they were trying to pick them apart and hit them personally i didn't see that happen yesterday in fact aoc started with uh you you uh both deserve the utmost respect for being here, blah, 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 blah. And then she just went off on Trump. And so, 
again, that's your only if you're a Democrat, really, that's your only game. Stay away from the fire. Go back to the old game of going after Trump. It's your only game and stay with it. Otherwise, you're going to walk right into it and you're going to be knee deep, waist deep, chin deep before or over your head before you know it. And that's the problem that they're going to have on all of this is that on a committee hearing, uh, you know, when, when we, we talk about like the border, you know, they don't show up for the, for the hearing and, and the whole thing. There's only so much you're going to be able to do as a Democrat in terms of deny, deny, deny on something like this. Uh, it doesn't make any sense when you're actually watching it or listening to it, when you're paying attention to it during the process of the hearing. But when they go off on, you know, on Trump, it's the only game. It's like it's almost like you're listening to a, a totally different hearing altogether. Mm-hmm. But it is their it is their only game. And then you get back to the hearing because a Republican is next. Let's get to uh, whistleblower X, whose name is Joseph Ziegler. We mm. found out his name just yesterday. Thank you, Chairman Comer, Chairman Smith, Chairman Jordan, Ranking Member Raskin, and members of the committee. Today, I, I, I sit here before you not as a hero or, or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. That said, in coming forward, I believe I'm risking my career, my reputation, and my casework outside of the investigation we are here to discuss. I ultimately made the decision to come forward after what I believe were multiple attempts at blowing the whistle in the Internal Revenue Service, at the Internal Revenue Service. No one should be above the law, regardless of your political affiliation. I humbly view my role here today as providing the facts as I best understood them and to let Congress and the administration and the public consider those facts and determine the best path forward. I recognize why I was present at the start of this investigation and was closely involved with the investigation for roughly five years. I'm just a part of the story. Others, including my colleague and supervisor Gary Shapley, who is here with me today, have their own views and understandings of what took place during this investigation. I've been an agent with the IRS since 2010. In 2007, I received my undergraduate degree from Ohio University, my MBA from John Carroll University. Prior to starting my career at the IRS, I worked at Ernst & Young Young as an external auditor. Throughout my career with the IRS, I have worked a variety of successful criminal tax and money laundering investigations. In 2018, I transitioned to to being a part of the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group out of the Washington, D.C. field office. I was the lead IRS case agent on the Hunter Biden investigation. I've recently discovered that people are saying that I must be more credible because I'm a Democrat who happens to be married to a man. I'm no more credible than this man sitting next to me due to my my sexual orientation or my political beliefs. The truth is, my credibility comes today from my job experience with the IRS and my intimate knowledge of the agency's standard and procedures. I was raised and have always strived to do what is right. Although I do have my supporters, others have said that I am a traitor to the Democratic Party and that I am causing more division in our society. I implore you to consider that if you were in my position with the facts as I have stated them, ask yourself if you would be doing the exact same thing. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. 
We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to the experience and feelings I encountered when coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what is right, and I'm, standing in, or I'm sitting here in front of you today. I would first like to take a minute to thank some people for their unfettered help and support. First off, God, for giving me the strength and courage to get through this process. My husband, who has been my rock, has put up with me, my stress, and has had to deal with, with his personal information being out there. My attorney, Dean Zerby, who has agreed to represent me through this matter pro bono and someone who has provided me so much help and guidance. My colleagues from the Hunter Biden investigation. The work that was done on this case was, is tremendous, but seems to be overshadowed by what is happening here today. And I just want to say to the investigative team that I am thankful for having worked with you. I also want to thank my family and friends back home in Northeast Ohio and Georgia. I don't live in the DC area. I had to fly here and have had to pay out of pocket for all my travel related expenses in being a whistleblower. On that note, I would like to make another statement that I have not accepted a single payment from anyone for being a whistleblower. First, well, so Mr. Chairman, while I have my written statement as well as my testimony before the Ways and Means Committee, I would like to touch on briefly seven specific matters. First, in a recent letter to Congress, Mr. Weiss stated that he had been granted ultimate authority over this matter, but then later stated in the same letter that his charging authority is geographically limited and that he would need a President Biden appointed U.S. attorney to partner with him in charging the case. Mr. Weiss stated that he, is, he was making all decisions necessary to preserve the integrity of the prosecution consistent with federal law, the principles of federal prosecution, and departmental regulations. In the, internal, in the criminal tax manual, Chapter 10, found on the DOJ website, Tax Division Policy states that cases involving indiv individuals who fail to file tax returns or pay a tax, but who also commit acts of evasion or obstruction, should be charged as felonies. Just want to stop there for a moment. It's exactly what we said. Yeah. And, and this, is where he, this is where he lays it out. But it's the, again, this wasn't just failure to pay taxes. It was attempting to evade multiple times. We'll, mm -hmm. let him, we'll let him continue here. To avoid an equitable treatment. In early August of 2022, federal prosecutors from the Department of Justice Tax Division drafted a 99-page memorandum. In, in so, they were recommending for approval felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years. That did not happen here, and I am not sure why. And as to the special and, and as the special agent on this case, I thought the felony charges were well supported. When considering the elements of felony tax case, under the criminal code, there are two key considerations, willfulness and tax due and owing. In the criminal context, willfulness is, a, is defined as voluntary, intentional violation of a known legal duty. The tax loss is the monetary loss to the government. In 2020, in early 2020, Hunter Biden, Unfile, or Hunter Biden's unfiled and delinquent tax returns were being prepared, which included his 2018 tax return. During the 2020 time period, by Hunter Biden's own account, he was sober, newly married, and writing his memoir. Hunter Biden's accountants requested that he sign a representation letter stating that all the deductions were for business purposes and were being reported appropriately. 
Statements Hunter Biden made in his book completely contradicted what he was deducting as business deductions on his 2018 return. While writing his memoir, Hunter stated, I holed up inside the chateau for the first six weeks and learned how to cook crack. Hunter Biden allegedly falsely claimed business deductions for, chat, for payments made to the Chateau Marmont, a hotel room for his supposed drug dealer, sex club memberships, falsely referenced on the wire as a golf membership, hotels he was blacklisted from, and a Columbia University tuition payment for his adult daughter. All of these items were used to support willfulness, the willfulness element for felony tax evasion. These false deductions claimed by Hunter Biden caused a false return to be prepared that underreported his total income by approximately $267,000 and a loss to the U.S. Treasury of $106,000. Second, with respect to the 2014 tax year, Hunter Biden did not report any of the money he earned from Burisma for the 2014 tax year, which would have which would have been a tax loss to the government of $124,000. According to my previous testimony, Hunter Biden did not report this income to the IRS or pay tax on the source of income. There is nothing that I see in the public documents as to the Department of Justice's action against Hunter Biden that indicate that Hunter Biden will be required to pay tax on this Burisma income from 2014 or amend his 2014 tax return. I would like to note that the plea agreement, when released, may provide a, great, a greater understanding. Third, I would like to make clear that the charging document for the District of Delaware, Hunter Biden was charged with failure to timely pay his taxes for 2017 and 18 in excess of $100,000 for each tax year. On Hunter Biden's 2017 and 18 tax returns, Hunter reported taxes owed of, of approximately $581,000 and $620,000 respectfully. This tax amount in 2018 would not have included the alleged additional tax due and owing from the filed false return of $106,000. Thus, as I read the public documents as the Department of Justice action against Hunter Biden, there is nothing that indicates Hunter Biden will be required to amend his false tax return for 2018. A false tax return that includes proper deductions, improper deductions for prostitutes, sex clubs, and his, and his adult children's tuition. Again, perhaps when the plea agreement is released, it may provide us with a greater understanding. Fourth, the decision to bring felony counts against Hunter Biden was agreed to by both prosecutors and investigators. In the fall of 2021, I met with prosecutors assigned to the case, and we all agreed and decided which charges we are going to recommend to, in the prosecution report, which included felony counts related to 2014 and 18. In March of 2022, the prosecutors requested discovery from the investigative team and presented the case to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office. In later meetings in early August of 2022, the assigned prosecutors, all four attorneys, agreed to recommend felony and misdemeanor charges for the 2017, 18, and 19 tax years, insofar as the Department of Justice Tax Division attorney sent an email about the process of bringing charges to include felony and misdemeanor tax charges in two separate districts, Delaware and Los Angeles. Less than a month later, Gary Shapley and I met with Mr. Weiss. He stated that he agreed with us regarding the 2014 and 2015 tax year misdemeanor and felony charges, but that this could somehow affect the later year misdemeanor and felony charges that he conveyed were stronger. Despite these facts, 
the plea deal that is being dis- that is being discussed occurred. To this day, I do not have a reason why that occurred. From my perspective, this might not have been problematic had the investigation been handled in the ordinary course. There you go. Hmm. How do you argue with that if you're a Democrat? You can't. You just go off on Trump. There's if you're on that, if you're on that committee, you just basically have to treat it like you're at a separate hearing, like you're not even paying attention to what's going on. I mean, the only thing you can do is turn your head. And there's no and, yeah. and, and you can't engage at all. Because when, I mean, when, when Goldman tried, it's, it's a he, disaster. He, he was the it was incredible because the worst the worst, uh, uh, I guess, questioning that damaged Biden was from Dan Goldman. Yeah. A no, Democrat. No, a, a Demo- that, that's out of everything that came out today. Yep. The greatest damage came from a Democrat. That's a great point. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. And the final point made by whistleblower X, Joseph Ziegler. Sixth. I will also note that while the impression has been conveyed by the U.S. attorney in Delaware that he has similar powers to that of a special counsel in this case, free reign to do as needed, that was not the case. It appeared to me, based on what I experienced, that the U.S. attorney in Delaware in our investigation was constantly hamstrung, limited, and marginalized by DOJ officials as well as other U.S. attorneys. I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation um, to further handle ancillary investigations that are spun off and relate to Hunter Biden, but may not have venue in Delaware. Lastly, I would like to conclude again by encouraging Congress and the administration to consider establishing an official channel for federal investigators to pull the emergency cord and raise the issue of the appointment or of the appointment of a special counsel. Okay, the Mm -hmm. only problem there is if the Biden administration puts in a special counsel, can you trust the special counsel? Right. That's the problem. Yeah, right. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. One winner in the over $1 billion Powerball. Ah, yes. You see, it's California. Uh, The identity is known here. Here it is. H. Biden, Pennsylvania Avenue, 
Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, Friends of Burisma LLC is how they're <laughs> listed. Uh, so the, if, the, uh, the, the winning ticket sold in California for those that uh, okay. care. <laughs> oh, wow. That big tax day for California. Yeah, uh, that's thirteen. That's thirteen percent. I forget of the somebody. Billion. We talked about this last time. One hundred thirty uh, million. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's they. Someone was saying it was it's different on lottery winnings or something. I'll, I'll have to go back and look. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, I have to pretend I care and Google it later. <laughs> Much later. Yeah, I I don't know if that's I, I I think it still matters on your overall income because they tax it at the time that you take the payout, but then it adds to whatever you're making now to you know for your overall income. So they're uh, come tax time next year. So looking at the whole Hunter Biden thing, what what uh, came out just from the, 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 the testimony of Ziegler so far, who was mm. before his name uh, was revealed, was known as Whistleblower X, is that he said that the 2018, you know, because they're using the excuse that, you know, he was a drug addict and everything else, mm. he was sober when he put that yeah. all together. Yeah. Those tax years that he filed, he was sober. The other thing... That was that was pointed out is that and this and and uh, we'll get to a moment here. I've uh, got an audio cut from Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, because you had Raskin come out and say this is simply, you know, prosecutor discretion. And Dershowitz said, no, it's not. This is special treatment. Tell me who doesn't pay their tax. Tell me who evades their taxes and does not have to pay them. Uh, our our production staff can put their hands down. Um, it's... When when you do when you do a plea deal, yeah. tell me who gets away with doing a plea deal and does not have to pay the back Nobody. taxes that they owe. Nobody. That's where outside of Hunter Biden, right? And that would be something that I would talk about. Me. Not only was there a plea deal that would not do a felony, but the Department of Justice and the IRS allowed. Hunter Biden, not to pay the taxes that he owed. Yeah. Forget about felony. <laughs> you want to get a reaction of the American public? That's how you get a reaction. The rich don't have to pay their taxes. <laughs> the rich elite don't have to pay their taxes. You know, the problem is we have a two-tier system. Rich white guys get away with it. People of color do not. I can't believe the oh poor, I, I can't believe she oh said that gosh. yesterday, the Democratic representative. No, the most damage was, was done by the Democrats. Democrats. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's just yeah. horrible. I mean, so bad. It's It's like, is there any self-awareness? You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, it's quite possible that a lot of these Democrats have been, haven't been following the details of all this. Um, it doesn't necessarily go into the woods like the whole Russian hoax thing, because that was a Clinton plan. This is a Biden plan. Those are two very <laughs> different things. Very different. So, this one's easier to follow. 
but still you have to, you know, do some homework on it, you know? You got to pay attention. You have to pay attention, yeah. And yeah. and it, it stands to reason. But then they get there as a committee, and their own party blows it. Yeah. Just go off on Trump for five minutes. That's all you got to do. Don't mention anything about Ukraine, China, Hunter, Joe. Nothing. Go off on Trump for five minutes. That's your one job. Because you can't engage here. You can't go down the road. You can't bring anything up. You can't engage on the specifics nope. at all. Nope. nope. Uh, Goldman tried and was was actually worse than any of the witnesses. Oh. Because the witnesses, yeah, yeah, we yeah. knew it was coming from the witnesses. We didn't know that the lead Democrat uh, hit hitman besides besides Raskin, as I've said, Raskin is uh, Adam Schiff, and uh, Goldman is Swalwell yeah. from the last Congress, and and Goldman. The thing about Goldman is he's got that snarky, yeah, you know, way of asking questions. And when he was doing it yesterday. I re- I'm going to repeat this again because you don't have many of these moments when you're watching TV and you're saying, shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Stop talking. You know, and and, and uh, again, I, I didn't want him to shut up. That's the first because I wanted him, you know, to go down, go down that, go down that path because it was, it was. Again, it was showing that he knows the truth. Yeah, yeah, he knows the truth. It was showing him, showing the American public that Goldman, Representative Goldman, is lying to the American public because, as he was trying to say that Joe Biden wasn't involved at all and didn't know anything about it, he was providing the evidence that Biden was aware of it. And that was the mind-boggling part of it. So maybe I was just asking like an attorney, but I'm watching the TV going, you need to shut up. Well, and, You and, need to shut up. And, and, you need to shut up. Okay, he's shut up. Where is he going now? Well, He's going down another rabbit hole. You, shut up. Well, here's the thing. And by the way, um, the, uh, AOC did kind of step in it for a moment because she was, I think she was questioning Shapley. I would moved away from the TV, but I'm pretty sure it was Shapley. And she was questioning him on his recollection as to whether uh, somebody stepped in on the investigation, you know, from the Department of Justice. You know, if there was an order from the Department of Justice, you know, uh, and and whether they intervened and, you know, well, but you couldn't, you know, you couldn't recollect that and blah, blah, blah. And she was bringing it up. What she didn't know is that, and this goes back to what Turley was saying. If you don't know the answer to the question, and, and, and frankly, when you're talking to whistleblowers, you have no idea what they're going to say. You may know what you you may know a few things that are in the news if you're paying attention, but you don't know what they're going to present. Well, he he kind of says, well, I did go back and go through some of my email. And I was able to refresh my email because I got some email and sent some email with more specifics. And I can provide those to the committee 
when the time comes. I can't share with you here what's in those emails, but I can provide them to you uh, at an appropriate time. And she had to back away from it (laughs) because her whole thing was, well, you didn't remember. You don't remember. You don't know if somebody was stepping in from the DOJ on this this whole thing, uh, trying to, you know, uh, uh, cover for Biden. And he got specific on the emails and said, no, I, I actually found some emails uh, that kind of spelled it out. And she had to go down a different road. That's when she started, well, but, you know, we, uh, I guess you would agree that uh, we can't rely on memory alone. And the whole point that he just made was, I'm not, I'm not anymore because I got the emails because I wanted, he created a paper trail. We right. we talked about that. And, and the whole point of that paper trail, when you're a whistleblower, you do, and I, I've been uh, close to a, a very, you know, nothing on this level, but uh, somebody who was having to keep track of things because of the, something that they were going to report to their superiors. And and when you do that, you have to create the paper trail because you're afraid of retaliation from somebody else. That's the whole idea of the whistleblower program is that you want to protect, you want that protection from retaliation. Um, and that's what Shapley did. That's what a whistleblower does. And you and, and, and not understanding that shows you they also can't read the room. The only thing you can do is go off on Trump for five minutes. Don't engage with these guys at all. Just do your rant about Trump and be done. Because if you engage at all on the details of any of this, you're going to get burned because we've been saying it for a while. The Democrats still don't know. It's clear. They don't know what these guys have. Well, and and Turley was making the case. He said, you know, the Democrats continually just, you know, doing this before Goldman. (laughs) Before Goldman came up, said they keep just throwing out Trump. They keep deflecting. He Mm -hmm. said it's obviously if you're watching this, you see that none of them will address the specifics right. at all yeah. of it. And this was before Goldman attempted to mm-hmm. and absolutely just blew it big time. And he said, that can't go on forever. That's not, no, a, that, that isn't right. a defense. Yeah. He's right. That isn't yeah. a defense that the Amer- the American public will look at that and read through that. And we've already said they already have. They've, mm-hmm. they've looked at it already. Mm-hmm. And, and they believe that, you know, politics is, is driving so much of this. Here's Dershowitz yesterday on Newsmax. Uh, Alan Dershowitz. There you go. Look, Weiss is not able to do the job with the restrictions that have been placed on him. We need to either give him the status of a special prosecutor, an independent prosecutor, or create one. We can't trust this Justice Department to investigate the son of the man who appointed everybody in the Justice Department, even if they didn't, if he didn't technically appoint this person. The, 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 the American people have no faith in Weiss. They have no faith in the Justice Department. They have no faith that that we're seeing uh, administration of justice fairly. And this whistleblower, he has to have his credibility determined very, very strongly. If even half of what he's saying is true, then we have an even more serious problem and a problem that really uh, becomes a very much criminal in nature. So we have more investigation to do. It's not going to work to have the Democrats investigate the Republicans, the Republicans investigate the Democrats. We need somebody of 
of extraordinary credibility with no limitations on his authority to look into all of these issues and tell the American people, look, this is the truth, the nonpartisan, the objective truth. Let the chips fall where they may politically. So there you go. Now, the thing is, who was that person? You know, you look at Smith, the special prosecutor for January 6th, mm. and everybody's wondering, where in the world is he going? Is he making up law? You go back to what he did before on the uh, McDougal. Remember, yeah. the, was it McDougal? Yeah. Mm. Uh, a prosecution where the Supreme Court ate nothing, said it was bogus. So he can't be trusted. Nobody trusts him because you look at this and say, everybody's like, where's he going to go on January 6th if he's going to go after Trump here? The fact is nobody right now can be trusted in the Justice Department. That's the problem. That's how far the rot has gone in our federal law enforcement. Yep. Yep. Nobody trusts them. And nope. Dershowitz is saying you can't have Republicans uh, investigating Democrats and you can't have Democrats. Well, which, yeah, yeah, you can. You simply look at what the facts are. Yeah. You know, and, and when and when we, we had the Democrats, Mueller, you know, Mueller was investigating with special counsel. Well, that was as biased as you can be because they knew they had nothing at that point. Yeah, well, you, that was yeah. absolutely. Pol- yeah. You think about it. Mueller was absolutely political. That yeah. wasn't, and Dershowitz yeah. making this saying, there is nobody you can, that's the problem when you have this filthy, stinking rot inside of federal law enforcement yep. where people aren't doing their damn jobs. And that's the conundrum the Democrats have here, is that if they step out of the way of this and let the Republicans do the work and let real investigations take over here, they're going to expose fully what most of us can see and others, many Americans I guess just aren't looking at, and when they do that, it's going to uncover everything. It's not just the Bidens; it is the Russian hoax. It's everything else. It's the combination of, of everything. It's yes, all of exactly. It. It's it goes back all the way till to uh, to 2016. Yes. So you're talking about maybe s- even further. Right? Yeah. Uh, seven years of filthy rot. Mm-hmm. Dershowitz added, "I hope the judge doesn't accept the plea bargain without asking questions about who was telling the truth." Regarding the jurisdiction of Weiss, the plea bargain may be based on an incomplete investigation, and that is not in the interest of justice. But then if you say, I'm not going to accept the plea bargain, where do they go? Yeah. Where do they go? I mean, I, I honestly, I really don't, I, I really don't know, because if if there's anything that surfaces in terms of hard evidence against Joe Biden and more evidence against Hunter Biden, I mean, I with each passing day, I don't know what the judge says here on these plea bargains, on the plea bargain with uh, with Hunter. And I know uh, Devin Archer testifies next week. Mm-hmm. I don't know what day it is, but I know he testifies next week. And is that going to be before the plea bargain? Now, they were trying to push back the plea bargain date. Are they still? It's still scheduled. Yeah, there for, was word that it was going it, to. But it's still scheduled for the yeah. 26th, I yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. 
never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, coming up on the bottom of the hour, we'll hear from uh, Gary Shapley and uh, his uh, opening remarks. We heard from Ziegler last hour. He's whistleblower X, in case you just uh, uh, tuned in. Mm. And I know he, you know, we've talked about him calling for a special counsel. And, you know, you look at it and you say, all right, uh, let's look at the last few special counsels. Durham actually did his job. Yeah. You know, he told yeah. a story. Right. He didn't get a lot of prosecutions, but he didn't try to overcharge anybody. Yeah. Right. Uh, on the lies, as we know, uh, for example, the Michael Sussman, everybody knows that he lied to the FBI. Mm. And the one juror that was willing to be interviewed said, well, didn't say he didn't lie, just said, well, there are bigger things that we need to deal with, except he was excusing the lie. Right. So Durham did his job and Durham told the story of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mueller did not do his job. And and we know everything now. We know everything about Russia collusion. We know that it was a uh that it was a, a, a Democrat hit job by Hillary Clinton on the, the Trump campaign. Yeah. But we went yeah. through all of that. And remember all the lies that you got from the from inside the Justice Department, from Comey, from um Strzok. Mm-hmm. from the management of the FBI. And so you have such a long history now of rot in the FBI and the Department of Justice. Who could you trust for a special counsel anyway right now? Right, exactly. And then you see with Smith, you know, with the target letter, is he going after Trump for a freedom of speech issue? Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 
Good morning, and thank you for uh, being here. Well, yesterday was Whistleblower Wednesday. Uh, we already played uh, Whistleblower uh, X, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Ziegler, and his opening comments. We want to play uh, his boss, supervisory agent, or was his boss. I don't know if he's still his boss. He was the boss for that investigation, IRS supervisory agent, and whistleblower Gary Shapley and his opening comments uh, yesterday before Congress. My name is Gary Shapley. I've worked as a special agent for IRS criminal investigation for 14 years. I have risen to become a senior leader in the organization and currently supervise 12 elite agents in the International Tax and Financial Crimes Group. I have worked directly with United States attorneys in multiple districts and have supervised or investigated cases in more than a dozen United States attorneys' offices across the country. I have led, planned, or executed undercover operations or search warrants in more than a dozen countries. I have investigated and managed some of the largest cases in the history of the agency, recovering more than $3.5 billion for the United States taxpayer. In this country, we believe in the rule of law, and that applies to everyone. There should not be a two-track justice system depending on who you are and who you're connected to. Yet, in this case, there was. Based on my experience, I'm here to tell you that the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice handling the Hunter Biden tax investigation was very different from any other case in my 14 years at the IRS. At every stage, decisions were made that benefited the subject of this investigation. For example, prosecutors concealed contents of Hunter Biden's laptop from investigators. DOJ slow walk steps to include interviews, serving document requests, and executing search warrants. Warrants that were ready as early as April of 2020, but were delayed until after the November, November 2020 election and never pursued. Investigators were not allowed to follow up on WhatsApp messages from Hunter Biden's Apple iCloud backup, where he suggested he was sitting next to his father. Assistant United States Attorney Leslie Wolf cited the optics of executing a search warrant at President Biden's residence as a deciding factor for not allowing it, even though she agreed that probable cause existed. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews. The Biden transition team was tipped off about interviews the night before the investigation went over, a fact my FBI counterpart confirmed to this committee in recent testimony, where the result was that only one witness spoke to investigators that day. These are just some of the examples of how our investigation was stymied. I'm not here to support partisan agendas on either side. I'm here because our tax system relies on the American people having confidence it is administered fairly and equally for everyone, regardless of your last name or political connections. If the handling of this case was inappropriate, it doesn't matter whether it happened under a Republican or Democrat administration. Whether you agree with my concerns about the unethical slow walking and preferential treatment in this case, you can be sure that my testimony is true and correct to the best of my ability. Unfortunately, the way this has already been handled by some members and the media has done immeasurable damage to future would-be whistleblowers. I have been attacked as incompetent and falsely accused of being a liar, a leaker, or both, all by people who know nothing about me or the facts of this case. Some question if I should even be called a whistleblower, suggesting that my disclosures are not legally protected merely because they don't like what I'm saying. We have seen this shoe on the other foot before, and some Republicans have made the same error, so there's plenty of blame for both sides. The cycle of villainizing or canonizing government employees who report what they believe is wrongdoing has to stop. 
When I first started noticing deviations from the normal investigative process around June 2020, I did not run to Congress to air grievances. Instead, I documented my concerns and made internal protected disclosures to my chain of command. I tried to give the prosecutors the benefit of the doubt for a very long time. After our investigation had largely concluded by the end of 2021, the IRS recommended charging Hunter Biden with multiple felonies and several misdemeanors for the tax years of 2014 through 2019. The Delaware Assistant United States Attorneys and Tax Division Trial Attorneys supported charging the felonies and misdemeanors listed in Exhibit 2 of my interview transcripts on page 44 and 45, which were officially referred to the Department of Justice Tax Division in February of 2022. This case was presented to the Washington, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office in or around March 2022. In April 2022, in a hearing, Attorney General Garland was asked how the American people could be confident the administration was conducting a serious investigation into the president's own son. Attorney General Garland responded by saying, because we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee. He led Congress to believe the case was insulated from improper political influence because all decisions were being made exclusively by Delaware United States Attorney David Weiss, but that was not true. The Justice Department allowed the President's political appointees to weigh in on whether they're charged the President's son. After United States Attorney for D.C., Matthew Graves, appointed by President Biden, refused to bring charges in March 2022, I watched United States Attorney Weiss tell a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7, 2022, that he was not the deciding person on whether char- charges were filed. That was my red line. I had already seen a pattern of preferential treatment and obstruction. Now United States Weiss was admitting that what the American people believed, based on Attorney General's sworn, sworn statement, was false. I can no longer stay silent. In November of 2022, the statute of limitations was set to expire for the 2014 and 2015 charges in D.C., which included the 2014 felonies for the attempt to evade or defeat tax and fraud or false statement regarding Burisma income earned by Hunter Biden in those years. The statute of limitations had been extended through a tolling agreement with Hunter Biden's defense counsel, and they were willing to extend it past November 2022. Weiss allowed those to expire. Prosecutors presented the 2017, 2018, and 2019 criminal tax charges to the Central District of California around September of 2022, only after President Biden's nominee, Martin Estrada, was confirmed. In January of this year, I learned Estrada had declined to bring the charges. For all intents and purposes, the case was dead with the exception of one gun charge that could be brought in Delaware. And yet, when Senator Chuck Grassley asked Attorney General Garland about the case in March 2023, Garland testified, the United States Attorney has been advised he has full authority to make those referrals you're talking about or to bring cases in other districts if he needs to do that. He has been advised that he shouldn't, should get anything he needs. After the October 7 red line meeting, there was no way to reconcile United States Attorney Weiss's statement, his office's actions with, and his office's actions with Attorney General Garland's public testimony. I am 100% certain of what Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office did in seeking approval from political appointees in D.C. and California. The New York Times reported that has independently confirmed the charges being presented and declined in California. Plenty of other witnesses are familiar with these facts in addition to those who witnessed U.S. Attorney Weiss's private admission. I encourage them to step forward and tell the truth about what happened and what they heard. Let me be clear, although these facts contradict Attorney General Garland's testimony, and raise serious questions for you to investigate, I have never claimed to have evidence that Attorney General Garland knowingly lied to Congress. 
Whether Attorney General Garland knew his testimony was false is for you and the Inspector Generals to determine, not me. The same is true for United States Attorney Weiss's three letters to Congress since June 2023. It is for others to investigate and determine whether those letters contain knowingly false statements. However, it's clear that United States Attorney Weiss's story for the, to the American public has evolved. He's gone from unequivocally echoing Attorney General Garland to, just one month later, corroborating the disclosures we made about limits on his authority. Weiss first said he can charge anywhere, and then admitted he's geographically limited. To go beyond those limits, Weiss later admitted he had to partner or get special authority. Garland said Weiss has authority. United States Attorney Weiss said he's been assured he would get authority. If he never requested or denied special authority from Attorney General Garland, as he told us on October 7, the American public deserves to hear why he allowed 2014 and 2015 D.C. charges to expire. No number of carefully worded denials or evolving half-truths can overshadow this stark fact. United States Attorney Weiss and Attorney General Garland will each be sitting before these committees one day. They will have to admit that despite all their obfuscation, the absolute fact is that this case was presented to two presidentially appointed U.S. attorneys in D.C. and California. That no charges were brought in those districts tells you everything that you need to know. I don't claim to be privy to United States Attorney Weiss or Attorney General Garland's communications, but United States Attorney Weiss told us that he was not the deciding person, that he had requested and was denied special authority after D.C. declined charges, and that if California declines, he will have to request special authorities again. I understood the gravity of those admissions. Whether full responsibility lies with United States Attorney Weiss or Attorney General Garland is for Congress, the Inspector Generals, and ultimately the public to decide. When I decided after October 7th to come forward and, I, and began researching whistleblower attorneys, I wanted to abide by the law in every way as I navigated the complex taxpayer privacy and grand jury secrecy statutes. I carefully followed the whistleblower process to the letter with the advice of counsel at every step. I am fortunate to be represented by Mark Lytle, a federal prosecutor for 25 years, including five years with the Department of Justice Tax Division. I'm also grateful for Empower Oversight, a nonprofit whistleblower group whose president, Tristan Levitt, was previously nominated by President Biden to the Merit Systems Protection Board and unanimously confirmed by the United States Senate. While some have tried to paint me with a partisan brush because this charitable organization employs some former staffers to GOP members on Capitol Hill, their expertise developed working for the patron saint and whistleblower, Senator Chuck Grassley, has been invaluable. Meanwhile, the Biden family attorneys appear to be representing Hunter Biden, President Biden, and the Department of Justice, and they are not working for free. It has been reported in public sources that there is a large fund paying for legal fees for Biden family attorneys. The source of those funds is unknown. They have virtually unlimited resources to pursue their agenda, while my motives are questioned simply for finding competent representation from a small nonprofit that helps whistleblowers. Groups such as Empower Oversight and Whistleblower Aid are the only path to ensure whistleblowers like me are heard and receive competent advice. My intention was not to be your sole source of information, and I implore you to take the necessary steps to obtain as much evidence as possible from as many sources as possible to be able to fully inform your conclusions. I'm confident that after you have done that, both sides will find serious issues with the Hunter Biden investigation that closely align with my testimony. No matter your party, I am not your opposition. 
I am here with information for you to examine, investigate, and determine whether more action is warranted on your part. I am on your team, whether we agree on every politically sensitive issue or not. There is no benefit for me blowing the whistle on this case, absolutely none. I have no book deal, and the only money that goes into my bank account every two weeks is from my employment for the federal government. I am still a supervisor leading a group of 12 fantastic agents working complex international investigations. Unfortunately, to this day, my immediate supervisors are retaliating against me for making protected disclosures. Even last fall, Biden family attorneys attacked investigators in the pages of the Washington Post and threatened the prosecutors with, and threatened the prosecutors with career suicide if they brought charges against the president's son. Then one of the Biden family attorneys send, sends to the press a 10-page, error-filled letter that attacked me with innuendo, false statements, and baseless speculation that, had leaked inf- that I had leaked information to the Washington Post. These statements by Biden family attorneys are false. In conclusion, the American people for whom this body works, I implore you to look at the facts, not agenda-laced statements from either side of the aisle. I am the average American citizen who worries about how how I will send my kids to college and if I'll ever have enough money to retire, just like most people watching this today. I am the the first person in my family to go to college. It was not an Ivy League school, and I don't have a network of rich and powerful friends to help me weather the storms of retaliation and character assassination. I am putting myself at risk for the American people who support me and for those who do not. At the end of the day, I'm a just, just a small-town kid from Norwich, New York, who worked hard to get where I am and will never compromise my integrity. I will never forget who I am, where I come from, or all the people in my life who have made me who I am today. Thank you all for your time. Uh, I say again, we said it after Ziegler's testimony, argue his points. Yeah, you really can't. Again, he's not saying... You know, that he's in charge of the investigation. He's saying, you need to look at this. All this warrants an investigation. We'll talk more coming up. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Eric, remember when uh, Comey would sp- when James Comey would speak, former head of the uh, the FBI, and you and I, we would come out and we would say the first thing we'd say is he doesn't sound like an investigator. He doesn't talk right. like an investigator. He right. talks like a politician. The one thing here, when you we listen to Shapley or Ziegler, they talk like investigators. Yep, and that you can tell they're investigators because they are covering every base. Yep, and, and they're I mean, and they're they're commenting on everything but everything is exactly precise as to what what they believe happens what is the evidence uh and very impressive yeah very impressive but it's what i think americans expect out of investigators and you think about that you know i was thinking man i don't want them coming after me if i mess up in taxes the last thing i want to hear is uh, agent ziegler and shapley are on yeah, Your account. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app. Listen when and where you choose. So, yeah, I mean, that we uh, we played uh, both the opening statements from both whistleblowers here over the past couple of, uh, of hours. Mm. And when you listen to it, I mean, at least my impression when I listen to it is these are professionals. These are actually true uh, investigators. And you could tell because they were covering every single point. And when they said, and we know that Ziegler, you know, was public in his testimony, said, you know, that I'm a Democrat, I'm gay. That's got Mm -hmm. nothing to do. I'm an investigator. Mm -hmm. We look at the law. We look at the law and say, are you abiding by the law? That's what we do. And you see that, you know, you see that in investigators. You see that all right, you know, what is the law? What have these people done? And I think that, and and Ziegler, uh, I don't think Shapley said it at this point, but Ziegler brought out, and I think this is so critically important because you want to really change Americans' opinions, you can sit there and, and you may have some Democrats say, well, you know, uh, he had his drug problem and everything else, and and so it should only be a misdemeanor. And you had some of the members of Congress saying, "What do you mean? He, he's facing justice. There's a plea deal, and yeah. he has admitted his guilt." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Let's let's say let's say that's your opinion. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, as Ziegler showed, that he doesn't have to amend any of those tax years officially? And he got away without paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in back taxes that he owed. Mm-hmm. When you ask that question, should the Justice Department have made a deal? Forget about felony versus misdemeanor. Ask the American public: Should the Department of Justice had made? Uh, should they have made a deal, or not followed through on prosecuting to the point where Hunter Biden got away without paying? taxes that he purposely was trying to evade do democrats believe that the bidens should not have to pay taxes and that's exactly the kind of silence i would expect from most democrats <laughs> oh you mean me not responding just the silence oh yeah no no, no yeah, i was that yeah. was that's mm-hmm. no it was just the silence was mm-hmm. perfect when, mm-hmm. when i was oh that was perfect mm-hmm. i was wasn't even addressing mm-hmm yeah, so yeah. the the problem they're going to have going forward, um, the Democrats, again, there's a huge conundrum. Because if you step out of the way and let justice take its course, I mean, in terms of the committees, the Republicans have it at least until January of 25. So between now and January of 25, it's going to be pretty harsh on Biden. That's convincing the, the, those are the convincing, the politically convincing arguments. The legal problem of it all 
is massive potentially. And you bring those two together. And if the Democrats want to come off as, well, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to just sit here and stall, install, 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 when everybody else can see what's going on, then they look like the group that they are. They start to expose themselves more to their own rank and file. You're mm-hmm. willing to go down for this guy? Yeah. You're willing to take a hit for this guy? You're letting another rich, elitist, powerful white guy go I, free? I can You're, see. No, no, I can see Cornell West oh, taking that. that oh, tag. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, are you kidding me? And it's not just Merrick Garland. It's the entire Democratic Party that has to deal with this, you know, uh, entire conundrum and, and, and where this is going. Because many of them want to be around when Joe Biden is no longer president. But here's the thing, too. All right, we welcome the investigation. That's not going to happen. But say the Democrats were to step up and say, no, we actually need to get to the bottom of this. Well, the problem is you get to the bottom of this and you get to the bottom of everything else, which is the rot at the upper echelon of the FBI and the Justice Department. And it's not just about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. It goes back years. And it is clearly politically motivated. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, you know, and and Shepley made the great point. I'm like you. I'm an average guy. I'm, I'm worried about, you know, I'm, we're not part, you know, as FBI or, excuse me, as, as IRS, you know, agents, you know, we're not among the elite. I got to worry about, you know, getting a paycheck. I've got to worry about this. I've put everything on the line and the Department of Justice is attempting to destroy my life for becoming a legal whistleblower, which is protected so understand yeah. that, you know, I under, I knew what I was going into, but understand what is happening to us. And the only thing that we're doing, this isn't about politics. This is about, is everybody going to be treated equally under tax law? Right. And as he said in his entire career, he's never seen anything like this. And I think the real slam dunk isn't even the plea bargain. It's about the fact that the Department of Justice and the, you know, and the IRS, the upper echelon, allowed Hunter Biden to evade taxes, willfully evade taxes repeatedly over and over again. And as uh, Ziegler said, that when he filed in 2018 and did all these things where he was, you know, willfully evading taxes... He was sober. Mm-hmm. That's the claim, you know, that he's making. He was sober. Mm-hmm. And 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 so, you know, this was all willful. So he did it willfully. Yeah. And, you know, evaded taxes and all these expenditures and deductions that were all bogus. And 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 did it. And got away with not only not being prosecuted with a felony for it. But a ton of those taxes, he doesn't have to pay. The government, the Department of Justice, and the upper echelon of the IRS allowed him 
not to pay the taxes that he was attempting to evade. That's you want to get support of the American public against Hunter Biden and what you know and and what the Democratic Party is. That's what you promote. Because I dare any Democrat to say justice is done by the government saying Hunter Biden does not have to pay all the taxes he owes when you've got to pay every little stinking cent that you owe. You know something that sits in my mind? This goes back uh, probably 1985. I get a letter. I don't think you get them anymore if it's under 10 bucks. But I actually got a letter from the IRS, and I opened it up, and it said you're past due on your taxes. You know, you 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 haven't paid all your taxes, and with interest, it was a dollar twenty five. And I'll never forget going, my God, what what could happen to? I rem- I remember thinking at that point, here comes the IRS after me for a dollar twenty five. And they sent me a, you know, then I go, what do I do here? I can't remember what I did. I remember I got at least two letters because I wasn't sure what to do with it for $1.25. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so I ended up paying it. I remember sending them a check for, because on the interest accrued on it, it was like $1.35. Mm. <laughs> like they're paying attention to me uh, on it. But those are things that people, you know, think about. If if, if I related back to uh, that or I related back to the, the time where the IRS, this goes back about 15 years ago, I simply made a mistake on, on uh, you know, the forms. Right. And um, pure government efficiency, it cost them $1.95 just to send you the letter. Well, that was what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe I'm just going to wait, let them send me 10 notices, and then, <laughs> then I'll give pay up. You. Then, then, no, then I'll pay up, and they won't have made any money on it. Mm-hmm. But I, didn't, I just didn't, you know me, I don't need the hassle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just pay the dang thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what it was for, what the mistake was. I just wanted that out of the way. But, you know, you and I both talked about, you know, at times when making a mistake or whatever on our taxes. And I got, never forget that day, I opened up and the IRS told me I owe them like over $6,000. Mm-hmm. And and one of them was because it was over 5000 I owed. The There was like a $1,000 penalty on that. Well, here's... And I was like, oh my... But I had made a mistake and they picked up on it right away. I think a new legal tactic could be for those wanting to get out of paying their taxes is to legally change your name, your last name to Biden. Biden. Um, it's, it is a, it is a real problem for the democratic party. Whatever happens legally is, you know, going to happen or not happen. If, if the AG can throw enough shade on this, this whole thing for them and, and step out in front of them, there may be nothing that gets done legally between now and the next administration, if if even then. And part of me, <laughs> part of me thinks Biden is running strictly for that reason. I need to, I need to have at least four more years of cover after this. And you look at the situation, the party doesn't, the rank and file don't want him as the guy. This is the problem, too, for the Democratic Party, is they start seeing the two-tier justice system. They know. 
They read it. They see what's going on with everything, and the Democrats are not winning on the issues. Violence and violent crime is skyrocketing in major cities. People are leaving major cities and states, the blue ones. They see it. They're voting with their feet and their dollars. And they may not vote Republican just yet. But I wonder how many of them are going to vote Democrat much longer. You would think there would be one Democrat that said, look, this look, this does bother me. I don't know why a deal was made or the statute of limitations was allowed to expire without Hunter Biden paying all of his back taxes. Mm-hmm. Everybody should pay their taxes. Every, remember, that's what Biden is constantly talking about. Everybody needs to pay their fair share. The Republicans should say Biden and the Democrats believe everybody should pay their fair share, except if your last name is Biden, then we'll do a sweetheart deal where you don't have to pay all of your taxes. Mm -hmm. You tell me how you lose that argument with the American public. Right. Well, and you can't. Here's another thing, too. You know, uh, a couple of the the, uh, Democrats today or yesterday uh, during the hearing brought up the indictments on Trump. You're pointing out when you do that, the two-tier justice system here. You're pointing out the sweetheart of a deal with with Hunter and the fact that the Justice Department is covering for his dad tells you everything. Now, nobody expects an indictment to come down for a sitting president. But that's the whole problem that they have when they point to to Trump being indicted. Well, see, he's been indicted and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And Hunter's getting a sweetheart deal. Thanks for pointing that out for us and reminding us. And his dad is getting away with a hell of a lot. And he shouldn't be. Those are the differences right there. Well, But you, you look at it every time they tried to confront anything on this. It blew back right in their face yesterday. It was horrible. It was. It was. They it was were pretty bad. They yeah. were Biden's. His own party was his worst enemy yesterday. Yeah, they were. Eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carley. All right, let's play uh, Andrew McCarthy. He was on uh, Fox News yesterday. Now, the hearings were still going on. Yeah. But uh, he talks about how, you know, Jamie Raskin got burned by Shapley mm-hmm. yesterday and mm-hmm. talks about the fact that, you know, that, you know, they ran into two people that these IRS, you know, these are top of line. These are the best investigators you're going to find and basically said, the Democrats were way overmatched. Mm-hmm. Every time they, they tried something, it blew right back in their face. Here's Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, I think they ran into a buzzsaw, Chase. And, uh, and, and I, um, I have a little sympathy for them because these two guys are like the cream of the crop in tax investigations. And most criminal prosecutors, when I had tax cases, I leaned very heavily on my tax investigators because they knew more about the tax code and tax crimes than I did. 
Uh, these are the these are the top of the top. This, you know, they got this investigation mm -hmm. because one of them is the top supervisor who ran a number of offices at the IRS, and the other one is their best investigator. And I, I think, you know, for example, when Jamie Raskin started out by saying, well, don't agents and prosecutors disagree all the time? Instead of agreeing with that proposition, which is which is, you know, pretty standard, mm -hmm. uh, what Shapley ended up saying to him was, well, this isn't that case, because in this case, the prosecutors and the agents did agree. It was the Justice Department that put the kibosh on the case. So I think what you're seeing is these are very able, capable witnesses who are familiar with testifying, know more about the subject matter than the people who are asking them the questions. Mm -hmm. And I would expect as the hearing continues, rather than walk into that buzzsaw again, what you're going to hear is a lot of filibustering by the members of Congress, but not a lot of questions, at least from that side of the aisle, for these witnesses that allow them to just uh, speak. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and I don't know whether... They didn't mention Goldman. I think Goldman happened later uh, in there. So you still had an attempt by Goldman to wow. try to somehow challenge, and he got burned big time. Well, he didn't even get burned by them. He burned himself. He just walked right into yeah, it. He, he walked yeah. right into you know not paying attention. Now, one of the things that you and I said was, well, I think I might have said it, that uh, that I got the impression that, the the impression I would get if I was watching this is these Democrats they're not even paying attention they don't even know what they don't even know what this is about they seem to be completely and totally clueless I mean it was it was as bad as I'm telling you Eric this was as bad a response from the opposition in a hearing like this I don't remember the last time I in all my years as a talk show host I don't remember. The opposition party, now I don't know, I don't remember any type of testimony like this where you had two, you know, incredibly competent, you know, investigators in law enforcement who weren't playing politician but were doing what they are, which is talking uh, and acting like investigators. I just haven't seen an opposition fail so miserably. Mm. But I was saying, I wonder if they're even paying attention I, you know, the the mainstream media really hasn't paid attention to this. You know, you and I walk through this each and every day and pay attention to this each and every day and know the ins and outs, just like we did in Russia collusion when we asked, well, where's the evidence against Trump? Well, this dossier, well, where'd it come from? Right. Who created it? Right. You know what? And we always ask the question and always have said in any of these cases, we will approach it at first. Our politics may get involved in it, but we always first approach it. As an investigator, where is the evidence to show that there is a crime committed? We do that for Trump for the longest time. We did it on January 6th yesterday. But in this particular uh, 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 you know, case here, they actually brought it up. And we'll get to that part of the audio coming up where they start talking about, do the Democrats really know what's going on here at all?
you're a threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, we uh, just played uh, some audio from uh, former federal prosecutor Andrew McCarthy, uh, Andrew McCarthy of Fox News uh, contributor, and uh, also uh, writes for National Review, wrote the book Ball of Collusion, mm-hmm. uh, by the way, and he just said, you know, the Democrats are under, un, into a buzzsaw. I mean, you're, you're talking about probably two of the best kind of witnesses that you can have on there, which are people that deal with facts every day and know way more than the people that are actually asking the questions. Yeah. And and so the Democrats just, they, they could go nowhere. So what happened was you started getting, you know, they didn't ask any questions. They would just make a five-minute speech on on pounding on Trump or uh, inequities or climate change. I don't know. Did anybody bring up climate change? <laughs> I, I didn't hear it, but I'd be surprised if they didn't. <laughs> and and so uh, and it was very it was got to be very noticeable. And any Democrat who tried to uh, sometimes it didn't even take uh, the you know the calm but rational and and knowledge of the investigators to do them in sometimes it was for uh, Mar- uh, representative goldman he he cut his own throat he didn't even know what the hell he was talking about and it was really bad because he was trying to make the case that uh well you got nothing on on joe biden yet uh because here's the statement here's the whatsapp and he's reading off the whatsapp and we're like what do you think yeah you need to shut up, dude. Yeah. Because uh, the WhatsApp is extremely indicting towards the president. Yeah. And and then backed off of that when 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 Shapley said, "Well, I actually go through every line with it for you. I don't have the time." Yeah. And it's like, and then he went on. Yeah. Th- then he went on to um, uh, uh, what was it? What was the next thing that he went on to that he got burned big time uh, on? Um, oh, the meeting. The the meeting at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, what Hunter Biden had said, you know, that he told his father about, you know, about the new company and everything else. So why don't you stop by? So his father stopped by and Goldman's trying to make the case that that meant that there was that Biden knew nothing about his son's business dealings. And it was like, what, uh, what are you doing? I mean, it was just we're it, talking about a meeting about the business. Yeah. dealings. I mean, it was it was are you a- paying attention? It was absolutely. It was the most bizarre thing. Uh, I've I've ever seen, and so it got to the point where I was thinking, it, it, it's like they haven't paid attention to this case at all. They just walked right in, and somebody gave them a few talking points, and they walked in with these seasoned investigators, and they were completely and totally outgunned. Yeah, and yeah. that was brought up here. Uh, we had uh, we had played uh, this uh, segment on uh, uh, Fox, and they brought in some guests of uh, guests former. Uh, Representative Jason uh, Chavitz came in to, uh, to comment on it. But this really got interesting because they sort of brought up what we were talking about. Yeah, and I was fascinated by that tactic. Uh, meantime, I want to bring in Jason Chaffetz as well and Nicole Parker to kind of join the conversation now. And, and to you, Jason Chaffetz, it was kind of fascinating when you watch this thing because Andy makes a very good point there. Instead of actually questioning these IRS whistleblowers, they just talked about Trump. They talked about other stuff. They talked about, you know, how can you be such hypocrites when you didn't do this during this time? You know, Representative Stephen Lynch from Massachusetts talking only about the Trump case and, and then asking some tangential, not even questioning these whistleblowers, it comes across as not doing your homework. Jason, your thoughts? Well, I would actually argue that they did do their homework and they know that the IRS agents have a case. 
It's pretty impenetrable. They have testified under oath um, previously. There's a transcript of hours worth of their testimony. Um, and I don't think they had a case to stand on. And the only thing that's on the Democrats' mind is the next election. They have no intellectual curiosity to get to the, to the bottom of this. I think what you'll see in part two, if you will, of this hearing, more details about what is the crime that Hunter Biden committed. Where did this yeah. income go? Did it go to the big guy? Did- okay, and that's where, you know, again, they did this at the, they, they weren't even halfway through the, uh, the hearings yesterday. This was just in the beginning of it yeah. when, uh, when Raskin got burned. <laughs> yeah. And and so there there was a lot of commentary going on as it was uh as it was happening but it really it really never improved for them. No. No, it did not. Um you know these uh, wow. Uh these these hearings are about and I forget who said it yesterday uh from the GOP during the actual hearing. It's about letting the American people know what's going on and allowing them to decide for themselves. And I thought to myself, you know, there have been so many hearings on a number of things, right? Um, uh, Nominees, especially Joe Biden nominees and and all of the Mm -hmm. woke people that he has nominated and the back and forth and, you know, all of that, I think a lot of people kind of tune out. Where they start to tune in, again, not everybody, but where a lot of people start to tune in is where you have things that are real. Because a lot of people will glimpse that and go, well, who are these guys? Who are these two guys Testifying on Capitol Hill. Why are they there? Oh, wait a minute. Well, is this political? Well, I guess there's still a chance that it might be, but it doesn't seem like that is the case. And then they bring and and they're talking in terms of evidence. They're not giving silly answers like, well, I think a a woman is a woman because a woman says she's a woman. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. They're giving factual stuff. You brought it up earlier about comparing them to people like the former FBI director, James Comey. Just saying that title in front of his name boggles the mind when you think about the way that he answered questions. What a weird person he is. But aside from that, when you get down to the issue and what you brought up, as we mentioned, and, and I said it many times, he doesn't talk like an investigator. Mm-hmm. He doesn't use the language of law enforcement. Those guys did. yesterday. Those guys talked straight from the job. And that's the difference. Even if people are watching this and going and and just tuning in or just seeing a story, a two-minute story on it. If you hear any of it, you think, well, these guys are serious. That doesn't look like somebody who's motivated by anything else except for concern. And they're talking about things that sound like real, real things. And we've gotten so far away from that 
that I think that that is a, you know, one of these glimpses into the reality of what's going on in the belly of the beast of the corruption inside the beltway, which clearly goes all the way to the top. And that is concerning because people are struggling to pay their bills. Prices are still soaring. They're sitting back after having to give up their family vacation for the summer because they're busy working an extra job. And they see a Hunter Biden who's getting millions for nothing, for one thing and one thing only, and that is access to his father. And And, that is a burn that you do not hear. And then on top of that, getting, because this is what, this hearing is about getting special treatment from the Department of Justice and not being prosecuted like any other person would. And that's why when they were laying out, look, this was where he was willful and not paying. This is where this is where he willfully evaded. And th- as he talked about, that's when it ups to a felony. Mm-hmm. And he said over and over again, here, 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 here. And then when he got to the point, Ziegler, and talked about the fact of the taxes that Hunter Biden, because of the deal and because of letting the statute of limitations run out, willfully from the Department of, of, of Justice and the IRS, mm-hmm. that he didn't have to pay a ton of taxes. He got away with not paying yeah. taxes that he owed. And all you have to do is ask that question to anybody out there, every Democrat listening, who gets that? And the when, tre- while the Treasury Secretary is suggesting that every deposit of $600 or more in your bank account for your hard-earned money needs to be flagged by the IRS so they can come after you for any cash you might make under the table. Right. And when they find somebody who is willfully evading taxes Mm -hmm. and is being prosecuted for it, and you don't even forget about just dropping the felonies to misdemeanors, did you see who was it? Was it Jamie Raskin basically tried to make the case well hunter was just trying to uh use his second amendment rights ha! it's like I'm sorry that was it was poor. i mean that was even so <laughs> posterior poor yeah yeah no it's I mean, and it's I, weak. I, that, that one just jumped into my head now but when when you get to the point of not only because people go well you know plea bargains are done yeah but he didn't have to pay taxes he owed what what yeah. are you talking about? He didn't have to pay taxes he owed. Right. Right. I'd have to pay every tax I owed, and I'd get charged with the felony if I right. did what Hunter Biden did. Right. And there's not an argument against that. No, there isn't. They asked somebody, uh, I forget which lawmaker it was, asked uh, Shapley about, you know, not complying, not paying your taxes. You know, it's against the law. You know, and, and Shapley said, "Well, yeah, if you, if you, if you don't pay your taxes, if you don't report something, right? If you it's don't, against the law, right? If you can't pay your taxes, you don't go to jail. Mm-hmm. Now, and if, if you, you don't, and if you but, don't, and but the question you, was was on reporting and 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 things that weren't because they went through <clears throat> the, you know, all of the stuff that should have been clearly should have been reported, right? Right, and it's not like back taxes." And well, that was the point. It was to say, if you file correctly mm-hmm. but can't pay your taxes, that's mm-hmm. one thing. Right. You don't go to jail. If you willfully evade 
over and over and, and over. Don't and don't report. That's, that's, what, that's what Biden was doing. Or you claim deductions that aren't deductions. You lie. You commit fraud yeah. on the tax form. Those are all felonies. You go it's to jail. Not, it's not an accident. It's not what I did. I put income on the wrong line that made it look like I made more. But the IRS, within 10 seconds, when I called them, figured out, oh, you just put on the wrong line. Hey, you've paid all your taxes. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about making a mistake. Nope. It's about a, it's it's a premeditated, continually not, you know, not being honest with the IRS and then yeah. getting a slap on the hand and not having to pay some of those taxes that you actually were attempting to evade. Well, it's a two-tier justice system and a two-tier tax system. It might not be it it the two-tier might be Biden and everybody else. Exactly. Cuz I don't even know many no, that, Democrats. That's it. I don't right. know many Democrats. Right. You, you may get favorable treatment before a prosecutor when it comes to, you know, a felony versus misdemeanor. Or or uh, prosecutorial uh, discretion. Who doesn't have to pay taxes they were attempting to evade? Right. The two tier is Biden and everybody else. It doesn't in that case doesn't have to be Democrats and Republicans. No, it's the even, Bidens and everybody else. Right. Show us anybody else that has gotten away with that. Very few people. Very few people don't have to pay the taxes. The guy getting that away. Oh, the guy getting away with it is the son of the president, whose own party doesn't want him to run again. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I say someday when I'm a grandfather. Well, I won't be, but someday when I'm old. Well, I am. <laughs> said, but why is it be a talk show host? Yeah. Can you believe this was the scenario? Yeah, here, here, sit down. I'm going to really blow your mind. <laughs> exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. In Toronto Radio, he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, I listened to part of the Jason Aldean song. Yeah. You, I, I guess it wouldn't have, if you would have said, uh, in my suburban street, it wouldn't have sounded the same as you know, <laughs> in, uh, in, in our small town. Mm -hmm. Try that in a small town, yeah. Try that in a small town, but it's uh, try that on my suburban street. <laughs> try that over on on, on 54th. Doesn't have the same ring to it, but yeah. basically what it's saying is if you try to commit crime in our town, we'll fight back. Yeah, we don't, we don't accept that, and we're not yeah. going to lay down. The message isn't radical. Nope.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Yeah, so that uh, Jason Aldean song, uh, I just uh, watched it during the show. I had never seen it. I mean, I I used to like country when it was country. Um, now it's like, you know, it's more pop. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I when I saw the song, I went, Oh, okay, I get it. A lot of country songs relate to the culture of what you're going through. A lot of music has related, since I've been paying attention, especially to rock music, relates to the culture. Mm-hmm. The culture of people stating uh, or and, and, and thinking uh, huh, that kind of violence is not going to happen. Remember when it was going on in 2020? One of the biggest things, that's not going to happen in my town. Mm-hmm. Not going to yeah. happen, right? You know, uh, we don't stand for we don't stand for law breaking, right? You know, we want we want justice across the board, but this kind of violence doesn't settle it, right? And that's not going to happen where we are. Well, and that, that's making hard. the point about in in these major cities, they have uh, cracked down on law abiding citizens carrying guns, and the criminals yeah. know this, right? And the song makes that point, too. Yes, it does. It does make that. I did hear that lyric. Yep. And it's like, you may disagree with it, but it's a part of the culture that we live in. I I think more Americans would agree with the spirit of the song than disagree by a significant majority. Well, it's I, I would think that people that live in big cities that are tired of watching violent crime be applauded by the left, excused away over and over. Look at that song and say it's ridiculous that that a song like that even has to exist because we we do live in a, a situation where we can't protect ourselves. I, I saw another uh, uh, celebrity who said, well, I, you know, since... Um, I don't want to surround myself with uh, or my uh, family and, and myself with armed security all the time because I don't feel like that's, you know, the way I want to go through life. We're moving. We're leaving New York. You see it over and over again. People leaving San Francisco, leaving L.A., leaving New York, leaving Portland, Soon and more to be living in uh, uh, those living in Illinois with their new the uh, their uh, state supreme court upholding the cashless bail. That right. I, I'm reading here, uh, Jeffrey Blahar, National Review. Illinois voters bought the ticket. They're about to take the ride. Here it goes. Congratulations, fellow Chicagoland residents. After several phony apocalypses, yep, and uh, <laughs> predictions of doom. We all actually might generally be screwed this time. Right. And we've earned it. Yep. 
This is what you voted for. And whatever chaos and violence hits the streets, remember that. That's because the Safety Act passed in 2021 by the overwhelmingly Democratic state legislature under Governor Pritzker in the aftermath of the Floyd riots has been upheld by the Illinois Supreme Court. The act intended, most notoriously among its provisions, the nation's first ever statewide cashless bail law. Cashless bail is one of those things that works much like communism in theory. Yeah. You know, you have that there. There was another, the Atlantic had a story on uh, Portland decriminalizing all drugs and the things mm-hmm. that were said beforehand. Mm-hmm. Right. And now and what where is, it is today. And now where yeah. it is today. Yeah. Where you've got even a significant portion of the people that had advocated for the law saying, no, 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 no. We, we, we've, we've got to do something. This isn't working. Well, that's because you're being delusional. Well, I mean, uh, D.C., you know, uh, the leaders there were saying, well, listen, in March, things are on the ground aren't what you hear in the media. There's no problem with violent crime. And then it's people are getting away with murder in the streets just a few months later. And you're not here's the thing. There's not going to be this huge red wave in these major cities. That isn't going to happen. But you have Democrats now screaming, we can't keep doing this. Adams in New York. Judge, please help us with this sanctuary city stuff. D.C., March. Ah, Things on the ground aren't that bad it's not that violent and then just a few short months later in july people are getting away with murder in the streets portland let them do their drugs and now it's oh my gosh what did we do san francisco over and over again i saw a story about a walgreens in san francisco And their refrigerated food section, they've got chains on the doors now. They keep getting hit hard by thieves, which is going to continue until Walgreens is gone. That's just the way it's going to be. You can't keep those stores open. Yeah, here it is. Now, remember, this is in the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. You really can't get more liberal than the Atlantic. What happened when Oregon decriminalized hard drugs? Early results of this reform effort, the first of its kind in any state, are now coming into view. And so far, they are not encouraging state leaders who have acknowledged the faults with the policy's implementation and enforcement measures. Yep. (laughs) And Oregon's drug problems have not improved. Hmm. Last year, the state experienced one of the sharpest rises in overdose uh, deaths. In the nation, and one of the highest percentages of adults with substance abuse uh, disorder uh, during one two-week period last month, three children under the age of four overdosed in Portland after ingesting fentanyl. Mm. And they go, you know, Oregon's Measure 110 was viewed as an opportunity to prove what activists, uh, uh, that activists' most groundbreaking idea 
sharply reducing the role of law enforcement and the government's response to drugs could work. The measure also earmarked hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in cannabis tax revenue for building a statewide treatment network that advocates that advocates promised would do what police and prosecutors couldn't help drug users stop or reduce their drug use and become healthier, engage members of their communities. Yeah. So far, that's got an F. Mm-hmm. The day after the, the measure passed, uh, Cassandra Frederick, the executive director of Drug Policy Alliance, one of the nation's most prominent drug policy reform organizations, issued a statement calling the vote a historic win and predicted that Oregon would become a model and started and, and a starting point for states across the nation to decriminalize drug use. Uh-huh. Three years later, with rising overdoses and delays in treatment funding, even some of the measure supporters now believe the policy needs to be changed. In a nonpartisan statewide poll earlier this year, more than 60% of respondents blamed Measure 110 for making drug addiction, homelessness, and crime work. A majority, including a majority of Democrats, said they supported bringing back criminal penalties for drug possession. Yeah, They want the law overturned. Right. This year's legislation, a legislative session, which ended in late June, saw at least a dozen Measure 110 related proposals from Democrats and Republicans alike, ranging from technical fixes to full restoration of criminal penalties for drug possession to significant changes, tighter restrictions on fentanyl and more state oversight and how Measure 110 funding is distributed, passed with bipartisan support. Never forget watching the documentary, and it was a police officer who was driving around, Portland police officer driving around this woman, uh, representative uh, from Vancouver, who was considering doing the same thing. And she's driving around the streets, and she's talking to people, and she's talking to people that aren't drug addicts. Right, right. Who said, absolutely not. People with businesses, ab- worst thing we ever did. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah, Right. No, you see this in these major cities, um, uh, the problems that they have uh, with this type of policy and also, you know, how they've handled or not handled the the homeless situation. And the two are, are combined in many cases and overlap. Um, but you've seen it over and over again. You want to create a hellhole. Here's your plan. Here's your map. Now, nobody wants to live there. No business can stay alive there. And what are you going to do for revenue? Because at some point, you look at the situation right now, real estate alone in San Francisco. That should be the biggest red flag locally. I'm really... I'm guessing that that Governor Newsom, um, former uh, city council, he he started on the city council in San Francisco. But I'm guessing he just has to ignore it. But eventually, as a governor, it's going to hit because these major cities, as they start to or keep imploding, You have to come up with a solution. 
I can't even start to tell you what that is. Oh, a new study out there, though. This is where you're wrong. Mm. A new study claims red states like Florida and Texas are the worst in the nation to work and live. Oh. Despite these states leading the nation in net migration. CNBC's annual Top States for Business report. Mm Mm-hmm broke down its rankings based on each state's commitment to life, health, and inclusion. Oh, inclusion. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah. While Texas and Florida led the nation as the best for business, Mm -hmm. the outlet uh, slapped the red states for inadequate policies supporting abortion, the LGBT community, and voting rights. Mm -hmm. Texas, we are in, and we proudly... We are proud of this ranking here from CNBC. Texas ranks as the worst state in the nation to work and live. (laughs) That's clearly why I choose as a Texan to stay here. (laughs) Because we're the worst. (laughs) I love it. Well, you can do a badge of honor, CNBC. (laughs) I I know. And and, And the point is, they're like, here's this. Here's the headline. Uh, CNBC declares Texas and Florida among the worst in the nation. Well, Texas the worst mm-hmm, yeah. to work and live despite yeah. huge migration numbers. Yeah, despite I mean, and again CNBC a business channel. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry. Where are all the he- where are all the corporate headquarters moving to? You know the truth. It's I know it hurts there at CNBC. I know, because it looks like you guys are going to have to pay a much higher rent going forward there in New York because nobody else is going to be in the building. I don't know. Maybe you get a deal when that happens. Voting rights. Who can't vote in the state of Texas? voting rights. Inclusion. Well, the thing is, Texas is... They make it up as they go along. Texas is not the place you want to work because we don't believe that children should be able to make the decision to mutilate their private parts that is irreversible for the rest of their life. Yeah, we shouldn't be teaching uh, children sexualized content at the age right. of five. Uh, and in the state of uh, Texas, it believes that biological women should be able to play sports without biological men. That makes Texas a terrible place to work oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and live. Mm-hmm. It makes it a terrible place to do business. Mm-hmm. Mutilation for minors today or mm-hmm. your state sucks. Mm-hmm. In spite of all the businesses and people flocking there in droves, it's the worst. I haven't seen that yet from a CEO. <laughs> well, doggone it, we're going to move to Texas, but if those kids can't self-mutilate, well, then we're not going to go. That's right. That's it. We're not going to go. Even if it means more profits and a greater talent pool. Right. Because that's what freedom is based on. Right. Children having the right for irreversible body part mutilation. That's my role as a CEO. That's my role, doggone it. Not profits. (laughs) Hey, uh, former CEO, can you come back? Can you please come back? (laughs) These are the delusional behaviors of of the left. CNBC, by the way, has been delusional for a long time. Oh, I know. Well, I love that they're basically a Wall Street channel 
that have so many socialists on there. Yeah. No, it's laughable. It really is laughable. It's just like, you know, you're supposed to be a capitalism network mm-hmm. of Wall Street, and mm-hmm. you got a bunch of dang socialists. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like, <laughs> why aren't our numbers better? Right. Where are I don't ratings? understand. And, we, and here we thought Shep Smith was going to take us to great success. My gosh. I'm old enough to remember who Shep Smith is. And that's and that's why I don't you know watch CNBC and that's why they're not the best place to work is because they fired Shep Smith. Yeah, that's it. They're not they don't practice inclusion. <laughs> exactly. 86690 red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. In order to manage speed, you need to understand the four factors involved in stopping a vehicle. Perception distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time you see a hazard until your brain recognizes it. The perception time for an alert driver is approximately three-fourths of a second. Reaction distance is the distance a vehicle travels from the time your brain tells your foot to move from the accelerator until your foot hits the brake pedal. The average driver has a reaction time of three-fourths of a second. Brake lag distance also needs to be taken into account. When operating a vehicle with air brakes, it takes about half a second for the mechanical operation to take place. Finally, braking distance is the distance it takes a vehicle to stop once the brakes are applied. Braking distance is affected by the weight, length, and speed of the vehicle, as well as road condition. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, sheriffs in southern Illinois say that they are bracing for more crime and more victims that result from the end of cash bail across the state. Folks who live here are extremely concerned, said Franklin County uh, Sheriff Kyle Bacon. It's an experiment on the backs of victims of crimes. I have serious concerns, and so do the people that live here on Tuesday the Illinois Supreme Court ruled in favor of eliminating the state's cash bail system. The ruling takes effect on September 18th, making Illinois the first state to fully abolish cash bail. Under the new law, judges across Illinois will not require those charged with the crime to post bail in order to be released from jail while they await trial unless the judge determines them a threat to the public or a flight risk. And what they're saying is that's where you're going to have, you know, uh, a threat to the public. What's a threat to the public? Physical threat. That means you can be involved in a shoplifting ring every single night. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. As, get, as, get we've, as then, we've boom, seen. You're, you're right back yeah, up. As we've seen. And, yep. And uh, it's just like, go ahead. Yep. You yep. live in your delusional world, right. Illinois. But remember, you voted for it. You voted for it by the elected representatives you put in office.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, yes, uh, let's play more audio uh, from yesterday's whistleblower hearing. All right. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to play everything because the, the, this was over four hours long. Mm. And so it's tough to play it. So we uh, we played uh, both the we played both the whistleblowers opening statements earlier on the show. If you want to go back when our podcast comes out, listen, uh, listen to that, uh, because that was fascinating. But there were just there were some points that I thought were really well done. Uh, the vast majority of the Democrats didn't ask any questions. They talked about Trump, uh, racism. Uh, the, the, the one representative who brought up, uh, the fact that why are we talking about this? We should be talking about how, uh, poor and minorities are treated differently than rich men. It's like, do you understand what this hearing is even about? That's where it got to the point where you're like, do the Democrats even know to have them that are in this hearing even know what it's about because they were cutting their own throats yeah, at times with the things that they were uh, uh, stating. Uh, some Republicans had some really pretty good questions, had some pretty good moments. This mm-hmm. is Representative uh, Russell Fry from South Carolina and his questioning of the whistleblower witnesses from the IRS. Uh, Mr. Ziegler, Mr. Shapley, were you able to pursue this investigation in areas that may implicate the president's involvement in his family's businesses? We were hindered from following that line of investigative steps. Would you echo that, Mr. Ziegler? Yeah, specifically in my testimony, I referenced the campaign. In, in 2020, President Biden, candidate Biden at the time, said during a debate, and I'm going to quote, my son has not made any money in terms of this thing about, what are you talking about, China? I have not had, the only guy who made money uh, from China is this guy, Donald Trump. He's the only one. Nobody else has made any money from China. Mr. Ziegler, was the president telling the truth when he said that his son, Hunter Biden, had not made any money from China? So I don't know what the president at the time was thinking, but what I can tell you based on what I testified in my transcript, that he did earn money from China. Right. And um, in March of 20. 20- 23, just a couple months ago, uh, the committee showed through bank records that Hunter Biden, uh, the president's son, James Biden, Hallie Biden, all received money originating from China funneled through Robinson Walker LLC, a company owned by Rob Walker, um, who's a well-known Biden associate. When presented with this evidence uh, by a reporter, the president said, that's not true. Mr. Ziegler, is it true that the president's family received money originating from China, which was funneled through the Robinson Walker account? That is correct. As it pertains to the Hunter Biden investigation, uh, Mr. Shapley, you sat on a meeting on October 7th, 2022, with Mr. Weiss. You testified to that. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And and later this year, on June 7th, Mr. Weiss publicly stated in a letter to the Judiciary Committee the following, quote, as the Attorney General has stated, I have been granted ultimate authority over this matter, including responsibility for deciding where, when, and whether to file charges, end quote. That statement is dramatically inconsistent with your recollection of a meeting that happened in October of 2022. Is that correct? Yes, it corroborated uh, uh uh, documentation of that meeting clearly shows that that's not accurate. How was how that? How is that not accurate from your recollection of that meeting? Because 
during that meeting, United States Attorney Weiss said that he you know, wasn't a deciding person, said it right out, uh, and, and he further went in that the Department of Justice Tax Division had to approve uh, any charges first, to which, as of March 16, 2023, we, we know that they had not approved anything yet. Um, he further goes and says the D.C. U.S. Attorney uh, had declined to allow charges to be charged uh, to be brought there, and that um, he requested special counsel authority uh, around that time and was denied and was told to follow the process. That process would uh, lead him to another President Biden appointed U.S. Attorney in the Central District of California, and he told us at that meeting on October 7, 2022, that if California declined it, that he would have to request those special uh, authority again. Right. So during that meeting and in subsequent letters that Mr. Weiss produced to both Senator Graham and to the Judiciary Committee, he seems to corroborate that meeting or some of the facts from that meeting that maybe he didn't have that authority, right? So, yes, the, uh, the, the second letter on June 30th clearly shows that, that he, uh, he's saying that he has full authority, he has ultimate authority. Right. He immediately goes in and says, that, but my authority is geographically limited. I don't understand how you can conclude any way from that statement in the June 30th letter that he has full authority. Correct. It's just simply not accurate. Correct. And that was something that, that, that you saw early on or you all saw as a potential problem. Mr. Ziegler, if the U.S. If, uh, US Attorney Weiss could not gain special counsel authority, what options remained in bringing charges against Hunter Biden in California or in the District of Columbia? So I guess it would have been the special attorney authority that I've seen. Uh, recently referenced, but I mean, essentially when D.C. said no, and we know that D.C. said no, we were having conversations with our FBI counterparts of how do we bring in a special counsel into this situation? I think that, like, once we knew that there was going to be potential problems with going to President Biden appointees, with moving this case forward, we were actively trying to figure out how as agents do we get that to happen? And still to this day, there is not a special counsel assigned to this investigation. Right. So the, the approach was, and I've got to go quickly here, but the approach was to go to D.C. Uh, with Matthew Graves, where he was not able to bring charges under a Biden appointee. He went to the Central District of California. Mr. Estrada was not able to bring charges. Uh, to, so to both of you, in, in conclusion, in relation to the U.S. Attorney's inability to ex obtain that special counsel authority and bring these cases in either California or D.C., do you agree with Attorney General Garland's testimony that, quote, the United States Attorney Weiss has been advised that he has full authority to bring cases in other districts if he needs to do that. I don't believe that's accurate. And I think the key word there is he has, and I don't think that that's accurate, and I think that that's refuted in the later, later letter by U.S. Attorney David Weiss. There you go. Now, a couple of things here, because you asked where the Republicans are, are headed. What we, what we have stated is the fact that the Republicans eventually, and hopefully sooner than uh, later, need to, uh, because this would be their goal. Their political goal would be, their, their, and you could tell because the Democrats are one thing that they have said, the White House uh, also yesterday, well, they uh, hasn't shown any presidential wrongdoing as of yet. They eventually have to show where the money leads to the president. Yep. Now, that's, that's that, the, you know, that, right. that really is the, the one thing that will bring everything together. And we've been saying this since the beginning, and that is the flow of money. But you did take step one yesterday. 
and the Democrats helped you an awful lot. Representative <laughs> Goldman really helped you, yeah. uh, and and so did the whistleblowers under oath. Because remember, the whistleblowers are under oath. The members of Congress are not. Right. And so the whistleblowers are all under oath and, uh, you know, stating that, uh, you know, what the president said, you know, when all relating to not knowing anything about his, you know, his son making money at this particular point, that that was inaccurate, that the president was either lying or clueless, one or the yeah, other. Right. But you're moving closer. That's the entire thing. Is what the president said true? No. Saying that under oath. is a pro- But the president said true? No. Again, under oath. These are political points that you can continue to make, which puts the pressure on the Democrats. I saw yesterday, as I said, it seemed like the Democrats were completely and totally unprepared, not even interested uh, in what was, for the most part, what was going on. And anybody who was and tried to challenge them got burned. Representative Goldman got burned big time. Raskin got burned big time. I will say that actually Raskin got burned because Shapley answered his question. Mm -hmm. Goldman got burned because he seemed to not know what the hell he was talking about. Mm -hmm. He was taking pieces of evidence and saying, this shows that Biden, uh, that that, uh, Biden, uh, you know, uh, didn't know about his son's business activities. And it's like, well, no, exactly the opposite. Yeah. Right. And, and he even realized it at one point said, well, oh yeah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it was horrible. I mean, it was just, it was bad. Yeah. yeah. So what you want to accomplish here is number one, you have the seriousness of the whistleblowers there and they came across. Nobody could dent the whistleblowers yesterday. Not one Democrat could do it. In fact, most Democrats just ignored it uh, completely. But you moved closer yesterday in an official setting uh, to what the eventual goal of the Republicans is, which is to show that the president committed illegal acts. Yeah. not There is no debate anymore about Hunter Biden. They all know. And you also got to the point, it's very, very tough for anyone to watch that hearing and not say, my God, nobody would get that kind of special treatment. No one, especially as Ziegler pointed out, that from what he knows, unless it's in the plea deal, but as far as he knows, right, because he hasn't seen the plea deal, but all the way up to the point of where he was part of the investigation, nowhere did Hunter Biden have to basically uh, redo his taxes. Right. And from what he knows, Hunter Biden gets away without paying a ton of taxes. That he evaded taxes, tax evasion, willfully did it, which they said is a felony and is charged as a felony to the normal taxpayer, but not to Hunter Biden. And then the bonus on top, there's some taxes He doesn't have to pay, not penalties, actually taxes owed that he willfully evaded. So not only does he not get charged with the felony, but he doesn't have to pay all of his taxes. You tell that to the American people. What is the answer from Democrats to that? How do you argue that? You can't. And that's the problem uh, that's the problem that they have. Now, Devin Archer, you know, one of his business partners testifies next week. Yeah. 
um, that will be interesting. And and it, it will also be interesting to see where the actual whistleblower cases go. And we've been asking the question about, all right, um, what about uh, management? What about the IG? What about, you know, the situation and and where it goes from here? Officially, how is it being dealt with? Look, it's clear the AG is covering for Biden. It's clear the FBI director, Christopher Christopher Ray has no intention of of looking for justice. But the more pressure that is put on this situation, the greater the pressure on those two individuals. I don't expect Merrick Garland to change his ways. But there's going to have to be something internally that changes because the oversight committees, the GOP is not going to let this go. It's working for them politically, and it is hurting the Democrats. You would think, by the way, the Democrats want to get this done and behind them. But they don't seem eager, and there's really no, there is no clear path. Because in, in order for them to do that, they have to expose the rot at the FBI that the GOP has been screaming about for years. And the only way you can move forward with a criminal justice solution to this is overwhelming public opinion against the Department of Justice. Which is my point. That's 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 the political will that you're trying to build yeah. here if you're the GOP. However you get that, and mm-hmm. I don't know how you get that because, yeah. uh, you know, Ziegler's saying, well, we get a special counsel. Well, you can't trust the special counsel. Right. Depends Who's going to the special, special counsel? counsel. It's right. going to be Merrick Garland. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. And so as we move through this now with the whistleblowers and you hear them under oath testifying, what you come out of the conclusion is it's entirely corrupt in the Department of Justice, in the upper echelon of the uh, IRS and the Department of Justice. Even if the agents and the prosecutors, because that's what Jamie Raskin asked, well, this is prosecutorial discretion. And Sharp... Shapler was like, no, it's not. All the prosecutors and all the agents, the investigators, agreed. Felonies. Yeah. The word came from up top, no, we're not going to do it. There was right. no difference. It wasn't as if the prosecutor said, we don't want to prosecute felonies. Everybody agreed. A bureaucrat made that decision, not a prosecutor. Right. You look at that and you say, you know, because when Ziegler's saying, well, we need a special prosecutor, well, Merrick Garland's going to do the assignment. Do the assignment mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. I see the only thing, honestly, as this keeps going on, there will be pressure from the Republicans for Garland to resign. Yeah, they were I, think, talk- I think so, too. They were talking yep. impeachment about a week ago, but...
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot, but Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah, can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.